Hello and welcome to Swiss Pats. I am Gary Colin. Hello. G'day, Gary. How are you doing? I am doing very well, and I am here, of course, with the Susie Lion. Um, and um, yeah, it's been um, interesting times, as as usual, uh, in this uh, time of uh, COVID. Huh? Sure has. It's definitely uh, an odd an odd year. Twenty twenty is going to go down in history. Yes, our kids will. Uh, We'll all look back and say, 2020, we survived it. We made it through. And um, uh, our, our, of course, my kids will say my father went a little bit uh, bat, uh, bat shit. Can I say bat shit? Yeah, bat you shit can. crazy <laughs> over it. So, uh, always checking out the numbers, seeing how, uh, how things are doing. And it looks like things are doing quite well these days I'm yeah happy to report apparently uh, Switzerland is the safest place in the world at the moment for um, COVID-19 yes yeah <laughs> this is an article according to Time Out magazine uh, that have come out and said that Switzerland is the safest country in the world for COVID-19 uh, it was a study published by Deep Knowledge Group. Yes, which is, uh, from my understanding, it's a consortium of uh, businesses. So this isn't, um, it's my understanding that this isn't a scientific study. Uh, a lot of it is based on economic recovery. Right. So, of course, Switzerland's going to come up top when it comes right. to economics. Switzerland um, and Germany. Yes, yep. we're at the top. So I was actually quite surprised by this because New Zealand just um, announced that they've had no new cases of COVID and no new and no new deaths. So they're at zero. So how can Switzerland be the best in the world when there's a country with zero cases? Yes. So obviously, there's there's more to the study than uh, than just how actually uh, physically safe uh, we are. Right. From uh, from the disease. Yeah. So the report claims that a low level um, of state debt and a reputation as the major economic and financial epicenter of Europe gives Switzerland a high degree of economic resilience to the financial effects of the pandemic. Yes, so, <laughs> if only all countries were so lucky, huh? So that makes it sound like, yes, it really doesn't have anything to do with uh, who's sick, who's recovered, just uh, how, uh, how business is doing, how the economy is doing. Yeah, interestingly, the UK was ranked 10 spots um, lower than the US, which I would have thought would have been the other way around. The US is doing better, <laughs> um, apparently, than the UK, but both of them are quite low down the list anyway. The UK is ranked as 68th and the United States as 58th. Wow. Um, but uh, neither of those countries are doing particularly well. <laughs> Not these days, no. Uh, yeah, and uh, as far as economic recovery, I mean, you see in the States at least, 40 million people unemployed 40 million i know that's unbelievable most most countries in the world don't even have 40 million people, people exactly it's all it's awful i just i can't even imagine uh the the situation that people are, are like living through right now uh so i haven't even heard about like layoffs in switzerland you don't you don't even hear about things like this I'm, i know what's happened i hear about in geneva there are rather long food lines, which is uh, disturbing. You don't think of something like that in 
in Switzerland, because at least here in Basel, we don't see anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I think a lot of cross-border um, workers probably lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that my cleaner, um, who would come from France, she couldn't, uh, you know, French borders were closed, uh, so she had no work for about 10 weeks, wow. which is which is really, you know, tough. Um, so there are definitely people that have lost their jobs, but... Um, I would suspect it would be like cross-border right. workers who weren't allowed to come over the border. So will they all be allowed? So the borders are going to open, most of the borders, uh, on the 15th, so yeah. uh, very uh, in the next week. Um, I believe Austria already opened up the border, uh, their border with, uh, with Switzerland. Uh, and Italy, um, they have not decided yet. I was going to say, the most surprising to me will be if Italy opens their borders, uh, the Swiss and the Italian borders. But I believe it's open on one side, but not the other. Like the Swiss can go to Italy, but the Italians can't come to Switzerland. Or maybe it's the other way around. I'm not sure about that. So it's yeah. like you, it's one, one way. <laughs> Italy, I'm not so worried about these days, just because I've been so obsessed with the... Uh, with the numbers, uh, I see that Italy has really flattened things. Mm. They're in great shape. France uh, is is bounced back a little bit, and they're they're not looking so great these days. Yeah. Of course, not uh, not to the degree that uh, places like Great Britain uh, uh, are. But uh, I'll be Spain. honest; I don't yeah. look at the numbers after about four or five weeks. I just couldn't deal with the numbers anymore, so I don't look at them. I don't research them. I I have no idea what the numbers are because I just I just feel like oh, I'll find well, out if it's bad. Well, in Switzerland, I can tell you, I can report that they are fantastic. I mean, yesterday or the day before, there were only six, seven people in all of Switzerland got sick, which is that's awesome. Awesome. Yes, that is awesome. Um, yes. I did get some backlash. I um I went uh, on our first family holiday. Um, in Switzerland since October last year, we went to Interlaken. We stayed at a camping ground, but we stayed in a cabin or bungalow, whatever you might call it, because it had its own kitchen and bathroom. And, um, and I talked about it on the radio and the host was like, why did you go away? Don't you think you should have stayed home? And I was like, oh, uh, maybe. But yeah, we stayed in Switzerland and I'm supporting a, a, a very small local business in Interlaken. No, no, so. I'm, all, I'm very much in favor of that. In yeah. fact, we just booked summer holiday uh, in, uh, in Graubünden. I, I, I yeah. always feel like I'm saying it wrong. Oh, I say every Swiss <laughs> word wrong. So looking forward to that. But our second holiday we booked uh, in, in France. So... Uh, our fingers are just crossed that, uh, right. that that's, uh, that's safe. So we, we thought, okay, what can we do for our summer holidays that's like um, for everyone? So my husband loves to play golf. I do not. So, okay, somewhere with a pool for the, me and the kids, somewhere with golf. And I started Googling golf places with pools. And uh, the cheapest I've found for a week so far is 5,000 francs. I said to Bruce, it is not worth it. I am not going to a golf resort. It's the golf part of that. That's the expensive part. It's not the pool part. Right. Okay. So I need to find a place with a pool that's He's near a golf compromise. course. <laughs> that's near a golf course that he can drive to while we right. relax. But uh, yeah, I said no. For a Swiss holiday, I'm not paying five grand for uh, for a swimming pool. Not when I can go down the road to a pretty fancy swimming pool at Solo Uno. Well, maybe cross over into France or Germany and. Uh... Things would probably cost a little bit less. Yeah, um, probably, but they're also probably rank, you know, adding adding the COVID COVID fee onto onto everything. That might be true. 
Um, but nice to make some plans. Exactly. You know, these days we haven't, nobody's thought about making plans for such a long, you know, for, for months. Yeah. You know, and all of everybody's summer plans. I mean, we were supposed to go back to the States uh, to Seattle yeah. this summer, but that's out the um, window. That's out the window. I had a, a trip to Australia in March that was cancelled. You know, I got a refund for my ticket. I got lucky. I don't know. Some people are still waiting for refunds from from companies, so it's pretty crazy. But talking about plans, Art Basel usually happens in June, so in the next week or so would be the official start of of Art Basel if it had gone ahead if COVID hadn't happened because of COVID they changed it to September and then this week they announced that actually they were canceling it completely canceling it for the year 2020 so it's done it's not happening this year and it's a yeah it's a it's a bit of a shock it's like a it's a staple here in Basel and it brings in a lot of business and it brings in a lot of tourism so uh, that's gonna hit hard I'll miss seeing these people Basel is is a very laid-back city uh and you can tell that it's Art Basel right. or Basel World uh, when based suddenly, on how people wear clo- what clothes they wear, right? It's insanely different than uh, than the norm. Um, yeah, uh, usually just people are just in jeans in generally. I, but I describe Basel's um, style as conservative. You know, everyone wears North Face or jeans and hiking boots, and then uh, Art Basel comes along, and all of a sudden you've got like pink and yellow leopard print fur coats and, and that's the men that's yes the men. that's, that's what i'm living for yeah. i just people watch during art basel I do, i'm i've gone to art basel every year that i've lived in in switzerland so i definitely will miss it it is a lot of fun it is a lot of a, a lot of interesting people come so you, it's a shame do you usually you pay to go into uh, the show yeah usually uh, my favorite thing to do in art basel i've said this multiple times at, at this time of year uh, on the podcast that uh, my favorite part about Art Basel is the very small and individual things that people do um, that maybe aren't even official. Uh, so people might have a house party where they you know, invite an artist to show their work or um, very, very small galleries will will have a few different artists to show their work. And that's what I enjoy mm-hmm. rather than this, you know, the Art Spectacle. Basel. Yeah, the the actual art. I do still go to the, the main Art Basel show um, but it always seems so out of reach. It's like I'm too scared to even ask how much something costs because I don't know whether they're going to say 5000 or 500000 If you have to ask, that's the rule of thumb. Right, yeah. exactly. But at least in these smaller you know, uh, places, I feel like you know, if I wanted to spend some money on art, which I never have, um, that, that that is a place that I, I could do it as opposed to these massive galleries that – that are, yeah, I've never I, I've never been brave enough to even ask because that because of that exact reason. If I have to ask, then I can't afford it. Right, and they know they know before you even ask the question. Yeah, they size you up. Oh man, uh, I actually got into trouble at Art Basel a few oh, years ago. Gary, what did you do? I brought my boys. Um, we didn't go inside. We were just you know just in Mesaplatz, uh, which is the fairgrounds uh, here, where uh, the center of Art Basel. There are always installations outside. Well, one of these installations was uh, just pile, big piles of rocks. I don't know if you ever saw it. It looks like a, it looks it looked like a dump truck had come and just dumped gravel, a big giant pile. And I was there with my boys, and you see a pile like that, and the first thing you think of is King of the Hill. Yeah. So they went and started running up to the top of this, and boy, security came over. 
pretty uh, pretty darn fast. Wow. And, uh, and Did they throw us. you to, to the ground and <laughs> cuff you? <laughs> there was no violence, but uh, um, I think if uh, if I had continuing let uh, to uh, if I'd continue to let the boys. Uh, frolic yeah. on the gravel. I think uh, there would have been uh, an incident, a, uh, a more physical incident. Yes. Well, there you go. You didn't have to pay for it, though. No, no, no. I mean, you, you didn't have you to put each uh, each stone back where it was. No, I, and, you know, <laughs> I I am uh, a firm uh, supporter of the arts. Um, sometimes, whether something is arts. Um, uh, is is, is qu- a pile of rocks is uh, questionable to me. How that is, yeah. what what kind of statement you're making with a with a with a, a pile of gravel? Yeah. Um, but it's always said. the question around Art Basel yeah. time every year. Is like, My does kid this? Done that. Yeah, does this really constitute art? The always, the answer I think is always yes. But I guess it's subjective. It's all in the eye of the beholder. Exactly. Um, I also did something at Art Basel that I shouldn't have. <laughs> um, there was a, an artwork that had, um, I think it was a bell. And I just like went up to it and like, boom, like rang the bell. Of course. And the, uh, the, the owner of the painting was not happy. I was like, oh, sorry. I thought it was... Like it had, it had like a bell to be rung. Yeah, you can't put a bell and expect nobody to ring it. Yeah, it didn't have a, a barrier around it. It was like ring this bell. It basically was screaming at me, so I, I did, and he wasn't impressed. Maybe I rung it too hard. Maybe it was supposed to be rung, but not like quite so with the, you know the aggression that I might have. Uh, it wasn't a gong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that might be why I've not received my you know my scope tickets in the post uh, because they banned me. There are worse things that could happen. That's right. Now, we have a really interesting guest for you this week. Um, we, I spoke to, Gary, you weren't here, no. but I had uh, a guest in my home studio for the first time since COVID. I was so happy. And our guest this week is drag queen Odette Hellegrand. And so the persona of Odette wasn't with us, but Joe, the, the person behind it, was so joe came and spoke to me about life in basel as the best and biggest drag queen uh the what it's like to to grow up in a in a country like switzerland as both gay and a part of the drag scene um culture and we had an awesome conversation just do be warned if you have children listening there are a few swear words not uh, not that we have anything against swear words but if you are worried God damn it <laughs> why did you then uh, then you might want to you might want to just be aware of that it was awesome to talk to joe and get a really good insight into what it's like for him as a swiss person growing up um in the world that he, he that he lives in and works in but also to get kind of like that insight on what it's like living and working in a town in a city that has so many expats and what he's had to do to adapt for that so it's a really really great interview and i hope that you will enjoy it don't forget to follow and um, let odette know what an awesome guest he was um, at his instagram page which is odette hellegrand and we will also link those on facebook and instagram so that you can follow the wonderful odette and and uh, and see her in show when she is back on stage because I cannot wait 
a roast is coming up. She's going to roast a lot of uh, other drag queens. I'm going to be there, and I hope other listeners will get a, get a an idea to to come to Basel and uh, see that too, because she's the best. Where do, where does she usually perform? So Adette uh, performs in the Parterre in Basel, and that is in the Caserna area. It's kind of like an old barracks kind of, because the Parterre one have been really supportive of um, Odette and other drag queens in Basel. So it's an awesome place to support. And um, yeah, in October, there's a there's a roast coming up. So she's going to be on stage and giving all her her best roasts to, to some other drag queens. That's so I'm going to be there. I'll definitely be there. I cannot wait. That sounds awesome. Yeah, so it's a lot of fun to see a drag queen, especially in somewhere like Switzerland, where it's not a very rep- presented field no you this is not the country that you would expect to uh to see anything beyond uh yodeling and uh, yeah alpenhorn actually that's the that's the thing well, i don't know why there's not more drag queens that are dressed up in you know the a drindle and with an alphorn uh, and and all of that maybe um, there are maybe we just don't maybe uh, we just don't realize know. it yeah there you go we have to research that yeah, we'll have to keep our eyes so i hope you enjoy that episode and uh don't forget to to follow and subscribe on facebook and instagram so that you can keep up to date with everything that swiss pats has to offer yay thank you gary and enjoy the episode g'day everyone welcome to swiss pats we have a very special guest for you today we are welcoming Joe, Joe the Ho, <laughs> Yuko. She, he is the man behind the drag persona, Odette Hellegrand. Welcome. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. It is absolute <laughs> pleasure for me uh, to to have you here. I have um, been a fan of yours since I saw you in Basel at a show called Drag Meets Rock. So. That's so not that long ago. Not that long ago. <laughs> it's new to me. Uh, like I'm a, I'm a huge fan of drag, but I didn't find anything in Basel until I found your show. So I was really excited to, to see it. It was an awesome show. What on earth has made you Basel's best and only drag queen? What, what, what uh, inspired you to, to be the one and only? Um, like the one and only just happened because I'm actually the only one from Basel doing drag. <laughs> Um, was successfully. Um, I got inspired by working for the AIDS Foundation back in the days, like, I don't know, many years ago. I used to be a mascot for like a campaign against HIV. Um, So I started there wearing a face mask, not showing my face because I was afraid and I was like embarrassed of like wearing high heels and wearing costumes. And then with this campaign moving forward, going to clubs, not able to be drinking or smoking or like doing stuff which you use your mouth for because you're wearing this fucking face mask. Um, I started to reveal my face and take on a new name and just started doing drag. And I was like about six years ago. And then I went to Arosa for the Arosa Gayski week. And um, there is a competition which is called Drag Race. So you have to slide down the hill in your skis and then do a catwalk in drag because and I was lucky the weather was really shitty. So I just had to do the catwalk and I won and I was like, yeah, okay, I won with falling down on ice. There's a picture on my Instagram feed where you can see me black and white capturing the moment where I fell. And then some people said, yeah, I moved on. I did the catwalk and I fell down. I stood up, put my wig back on and carried on and then someone 
came towards me and he was like you have to do shows your so, your personality is so great you have to do it i was like yeah are you sure so i did my first show it was a semi-success and um then i started to do three other competitions in the year of 2016 and i won all of them i was gonna say i saw that you won four competitions and no one else has done that no one else has done that i'm the only one in switzerland who actually won four crowns in one year and um, yeah that makes me the greatest performer (laughs) not only does it make you the greatest performer in basel but the greatest in switzerland yes (laughs) that is so awesome i i can't even imagine skiing on a normal day let alone skiing in bad weather and then in drag well the good thing was it was bad weather so i did i could skip the skiing and just had to do the catwalk but walking in heels on snow and ice is oh, kind I, of difficult. I assumed you had to do it in ski boots. No, no. Well, <laughs> you could have done it in ski boots, but I was like, no, no, no. We're going to do it the correct way. And I just put on some silver pumps and the first part went well. And then like when you have to strike the pose and turning, I was like turning too fast. And um, then I fell down. I can't wait to look up that picture. I can't <laughs> believe I haven't gone that far on your Instagram page. You have to dig deep. Yeah, yeah. I did read that you got rid of some old photos of your old drag. And I was like, now I've got to find those. Seriously. <laughs> if you haven't if you haven't been successful in getting rid of them, I'm definitely going to Well, I left some skills. of them, but not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so... So when you started, um, you know, taking that mask away from your face and uh, revealing who you were, is that where the persona of Odette comes out? Or is it you expressing yourself in in a different way? You mean the moment when I revealed the mask from... Yeah, um, when you started to to have that persona and, um, uh, you know, you said at first that you were hiding behind a mask. And yeah. Was the persona already there or did it come gradually? No, it was like when I was wearing this mask, I was this mascot named Trudy van Brecken de Jeanne. Oh, yeah. Which is like... Um, a Trudy, break the chain. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then I did this Arosa thing and I haven't put my persona together so back then i wasn't odette right. so it was like trudy which is a fierce name for a drag queen and um then within these within that year where i won this competition i had to go through finding my persona and we ended up with having odette Grand, and it was like odette is um she's an old lady she's 39 with five years of experience and she will never turn 40 and Odette is like not a name you're used to hear so it's like it's a name from an ancient like years back you used to call your children Odette or something like that and Hella Grand is from hell she's Hella Grand and I'm straight out of hell and I'm fucking grand because you can (laughs) translate grand with in German with many positive words so I was like yeah it fits together and if you hear my name you're like wait what was it so you have to like ask three times and then you get my name but when i put my persona on like when i put my makeup on i put my costumes on there is a change in my persona that's true so i'm like i'm getting fiercer sounds stupid so but you're like you don't care about pc anymore that much as if i'm in boy or as if i'm now i wouldn't say certain things i would say if i'm in drag you know what I mean? Yeah. 
So, I mean, in drag, I can say my mind, whatever is in my mind. It's like a little bit of a freedom. Yes. Yeah, that comes with it. Still, you can't be racist or homophobic or stuff like that. This is for sure. (laughs) But um, you can say, if, if someone is like acting weird or not behaving good at your show you can call him out being what kind of bitch he is i would never do that out of drag i would be like kindly and politely asked him to stop and then leave the club and whatever and in my shows i was like stop the show um would have like dragged him out of the club and wouldn't continue with my show until this person is out of the club and i wouldn't do that out of drag yeah would you uh you don't know me very well. Uh, she would. Okay. She told me she was a police officer before, so she would. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm very, I'm very uh, calm, collected. Definitely a wallflower. Definitely wouldn't cause a scene. Definitely not. No, no, no. No, I don't need to be in, in drag to uh, to call somebody out, unfortunately. Sometimes I embarrass my children, so there is that. Okay. Okay, yeah, take it easy. Now, um... We, we talked about this briefly before we started recording. Basel isn't exactly huge and it doesn't really have a massive uh, drag culture. So you that is one of the reasons that you are, you know, Basel's best and biggest and most amazing. Um, but how is that uh, influenced and, and affected your uh, performances, your drag, knowing that, you know, it's, there's maybe not that many people that can the help you or take over or that sort of thing is it does that mean a really positive thing like yes i'm the only one or like this is just me i'm on my own um well back in the days before i did drag there were there was like a drag culture kind of there was like a big gay scene i mean basel was like a safe haven for gays but i was like way years back when i started doing drag there was like a white canvas mm-hmm. there were people performing before like Tracy Chander or Kim Voltage I used to know them when I was uh, I knew who they were when I was partying and I was like 18 or something but when I like considered doing drag there was like nobody else um, really good and there weren't drag shows really happening except of maybe once in a year where you have some girls from Paris coming to a gay bar and putting a show together but for me it was like trying to do what's best for me and like due to the fact there was like a wet canvas and nobody was used to drag shows anymore or drags in general in Basel I was like I was able to to explore freely what the things what are the things I want to do and what are things I don't want to do like I would never perform Lady Gaga or Beyonce for example but with the years, I starting to first I was like, yeah, I'm the only one. I'm the only one in Switzerland, and I won these competitions. And I was like, I was riding on a high horse, and behaving very shitty in the, these days. And I got a reputation, which I'm still like working for to get like cleared. Um, so it it was good for like my freedom, but it wasn't good for my ego. It was a really good big ego booster because at the beginning it was like it's just me, mm-hmm. and now. I feel like a pressure where you have to hold up for all the successful shows I did. So everybody is expecting when I'm going to do something, you can't like do it wrong or you can't like not holding up to your expectation of the audience. So that's like the pressure I have now being the only one in Basel. I mean, I'm not the only one. There are like little kids doing drag, going to parties. 
and there is for example also like Dieter Whip doing comedy strip as a host um, but I'm the only drag producer in Basel area which is kind of fun but also a lot of pressure yeah so um, you mentioned Dita Whip. I um, recently just put a post on my Instagram page because she sent me some beautiful prints of her in full drag and I absolutely love them. Cannot wait to get them on my wall. And you told me, I asked you, so have you known her for a long time? What's the story in there? And you said, nope, I'm keeping it for the podcast. So that's, now's the time. I want to hear this now's story. Now's the time. So people who know me and follow me on Instagram know that I'm working a lot with Dita Whip recently or in the past few years we met due to a coincidence and me being mad at a drag baby drag because i was having a gig for new year's eve i think it was 2018 into 2000 2017 to 2018 something like that three years the something last year, couple of years are all a blur. yeah it's all blurred <laughs> so i was like so many gigs i was like i just remember i had a new year's Eve gig at Soho Bar in Steinevorstadt where you just have to stand around, drink and look fabulous and you get paid for easy. it. So easy gig on New Year's Eve. And I had a baby drag back then. She won one of my competitions. I did like I created a known competition and she won that. I don't mention her name. Um, and she's she should have been with me there. And she's like, yeah. And I asked her three months before. And she was like, yeah, I'm going to be there. Oh, good. What do I have to do? I was like, you just have to stand there and drink. A month later, she was like, yeah, so I have another gig on New Year's Eve for the club right next to it. And I was like, yeah, but you can't cancel mine. Yeah, I can do both. And it's like, no, you can't do mm. both gigs. You have to be like at one place because they book you, they pay you, they pay you well. So you got to go for it. Two days prior to like New Year's Eve, because she told me, yeah, I'm going to cancel la, 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 la. Two days prior New Year's Eve, she was like, nah, I'm not, I can't do your gig. They raised the price for the show in the other bar. And I didn't have contracts by that back then. And I was like ranting on Instagram about baby drags. And Dita Whip hit me up in my DMs. She was like, what happened? And then we like, were texting back and forth. And it's like, baby drags suck. She doesn't know how to be professional, blah, 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 blah. These kind of things. Now it's like in the middle of the conversations. I was like, yeah, you want to earn some money and like just standing around looking pretty in black. I mean, black is your thing. And she was like, you're joking. It's like, no, you get money for just being there and like say hello to people and host a party. And she was like, I'm all in. Yeah. And we didn't, we never met before. Right. I followed her on Instagram a few years back because she did something like Kelly Heelston's Nectar's Tracks Superstar or something back in the days. And I already thought she's fierce. And then I did the gig and we like connect on a friendship level somehow. And then this friendship evolved. We started working together. I was looking up to her for her makeup skills. She was kind of looking up to me for like being successful and doing my own shows and like having my own name and not relying on on anyone else to put a show together. Or like I was I was building up my empire kind of in quotes so they were like this was like this mutual friendship and then we started working a lot together i booked her she booked me well actually i booked her very often she booked me maybe i don't know how many times once 
got to get some more bookings in. But I'm like, I'm not, I'm like not the one who's going to, I'm going to give you that. You have to give me that. I'm just going to, if I can give her stuff. And I knew that she has struggles back in Germany because the fight in drags, in the drag scene in Germany is tough. Yeah. There are way more than doing it. And she is, she's a bitchy queen and not everybody gets her humor. And so she has like a tough time getting some gigs over there. So I was like, yeah, if you want to come here, just let me know. We're going to do gigs together. And so the friendship started and then it ended up like, she was like, your makeup is shit. And then she came to my place like a weekend. We were like doing a makeup workshop together. Well, she did one with me and I was like, yeah, okay. So that started to involve. And now she's, she's one of a close friend of mine. That's awesome. And her, her makeup skills are impeccable. They are. I mean, when you see her in drag, she always wears the same makeup. She always says, yeah, I'm a makeup artist, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, if you don't know her, and you're like, yeah, you wear the fucking same face all the time. If you see those Instagram drag queens, they are like very creative every time, different right. makeup. And when this Corona lockdown happens and she started her um, one makeup look per day um, in lockdown, I was... For the first time, I actually saw her impeccable skills. Because yeah. I was like, I know her face. Her face always looks the same. She always has this huge black liner. Maybe she's changing a little f- shades in around her eyes. But I wasn't sure. I didn't know that she can actually reshape her f- whole face. Yeah. And being so um, detailed. I mean, her pointillism makeup she did like with only dots. Um, crazy. And she really is a great makeup artist. Yeah, really good. I'll definitely uh, link Dita's page so that anyone um, that look, is looking for inspiration can check it out. I want to talk about your makeup because um, you... Which is shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got uh, Dita as your as your uh, teacher, so it can't be. Um, you, you use a certain palette, like you don't uh, change from color to color. Did it take you a while to kind of find... Odette's look or uh, was it a lot of experimenting it wasn't a lot of experimenting though so I I knew there were like certain colors I don't like to wear like purple because purple eyeshadows are like yeah but purple to find a good purple eyeshadow it's a journey yeah because making a purple eyeshadow well that's a whole other story so I knew I have to like improve my face first and get the people used to that face and like having some kind of so that the people can recognize my face on flyers or like on I don't know sketches that they know okay this is so dead so hence like the um, red hair for example on all my promo shoots I wear these these coppery hair and with my makeup, I was trying, I was like, I didn't have anyone mm. showing. I had one girl did my makeup for one show and she was like telling me the basics with foundation and and eyeshadow. And, but I had to do it on my own and learning by doing, watching YouTube tutorials. And back then you didn't have like fancy highlighter. You didn't have like concealers, which are like white and you didn't have clown white or, or stuff you don't know which are happening now. I mean, the makeup industry has evolved rapidly in like only five years. And now I know I have like a certain type of colors I use to like fit to the coppery hair and fit to this Grand Dame theme my face has to be. And changing it up is also hard for me because 
I want to portray like the same persona all the time and not like once I'm wearing like, I don't know, a fish makeup and then I'm wearing a crazy artsy partsy makeup because this is not Odette. So I have like my face, which is like mostly orange, red, brown and black. And that should fit together. And the people recognize me on the streets like, oh, you're Odette. And not you're like, oh, you're a great drag queen. Who are you? So it's like, oh, hi, I saw you on TV. Because on TV, I used to wear the same makeup. Mm -hmm. But it was a journey to find my standard pretty face. And occasionally, I change it up a bit. Like, I'm doing makeup is learning by doing or like changing it up and also like challenging you a bit. So, I mean, maybe your eyeliner height is changing or the way you apply your um, lashes, but or like just tiny switches you make. So you still, that, that people are seeing you and yeah. it's not uh, a different face every time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about being uh, in the LGBT community in Switzerland and in Basel. Um, what has it been like growing up here it's a, such a small country and you don't really hear much about switzerland and what it's like for for people of the lgbt community is it a tough place to live um in that community or is it very an accepting country well it's a good thing that you don't hear a lot in the media outlet about lgbty in switzerland i mean if it's very bad you hear about it mm. and if it's maybe very very good you hear about it so it's not too bad it's a safe place for gays even though the hatred against gays started to like get more media attention or like get more hatred the past few months there were like people beaten down Mm. but this happened all the time but it's like now there is like the scope of the media is like also like okay where's hatred for lgbty because we had lost this referendum about uh, vote against the hate and stuff like that so you have like the media showing also these hate things against the lgbt but growing up here in switzerland it was kind of easy the worst thing about being gay in switzerland is have to, having the struggle with yourself mm. i mean like this whole outing procedure and you don't have to out it's not difficult to out your towards someone else it's difficult do your the outing in front of the mirror and say yes you're gay and that's mm-hmm. okay but i'm a lucky person i hadn't had any issues with my parents they were like a bit reserved my father was a bit yeah just don't contract hiv and we're fine and my mother was like yeah are you sure and it's like yeah i'm sure and then she used some time just for her to like not accept it but just like live with it but not because she was like judging me for being gay more like she was judging society of behaving badly towards me and she was like afraid of that and with me doing drag and being like a self um, like self-conscious and she was like yeah she started to realize she doesn't have to be afraid about me i'm not gonna get beaten down in the streets i'm like i'm fucking two meters high (laughs) i'm a tall man i am kind of muscly so it takes a lot to beat me down sounds like you're trying to sell yourself now yeah of course so um (laughs) she didn't have to be afraid of me and i mean you can go out as a gay person in switzerland anywhere and you can yeah you maybe shouldn't kiss in a club where they where you know that there are 
people who are homophobic then you're it's your own fault that you get a blue eye afterwards i mean they wouldn't be like it would be the same if you're at a gay party and you have like a homophobic coming in and behaving right. badly in your eyes but in his eyes it's normal and they he would be beaten down as well so there are certain places where you can't behave gay but that it's not only for gay people it's also for anybody else there are people where you aren't allowed or you're not well seeing there yeah but it's very safe to grow up in switzerland maybe it's difficult in rural places yeah but i'm like i grew up here in this village called basel so i didn't have any issues right and um you mentioned like that that kind of coming out story uh, being a personal journey for you as a, as a, like a looking in the mirror thing um was that did that happen at the same time as the drag or was there like a long period like did your parents find out that you were gay and doing drag at the same time or there was a there was hey i'm i'm gay but and then years later oh and by the way i also do drag um no it was like it was it was time apart so i knew i was i knew something is different mm. i'm not saying wrong but something is different about me when i was like 15 or 16 okay where other boys in the school were like, yeah, look at that chick. And you're like, yeah, she has a nice dress on. So <laughs> I want to wear her heels. Yeah. <laughs> well, that came later. But so that was like when I was 16. And I didn't out myself in school, not because I didn't feel comfortable with it, but I was like, if I'm going to tell my schoolmates that I'm gay, which they already suspected that something is different about me, I would give them confirmation and they have to deal with it because mm. it's like black on white and that yes he's gay it's confirmed then rather just like being a rumor he's gay so they can do fun with it and do whatever they want but they have don't have to like think about it how to react now to that so i outed myself straight after the last day of school so every person could have decided okay i'm going to stick with you as a friend because I want to see how this evolves or I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave your path. I'm never going to see you again because I have an issue with that. So I outed myself in school first and then I told my parents. I remember telling my mother, I was like, yeah, talking about grandchildren, um, you, you never get one of mine. Mm -hmm. And she was like, why? It's like, yeah, because I'm gay. And she was like, who told that? And I was like, me. It's like, okay, fine. And then I told my parents and then I had like this plan telling that and that and that and those like every person was like planned. I'm going to have at two o'clock, I'm going to tell her at three o'clock, I'm going to tell him. And then I, within this plan, I was like, this is stupid. I mean, nobody's telling me that they are straight. Right. So why should I tell them, hey, I'm gay. That mm -hmm. doesn't still doesn't make sense for me today. I mean, if it's like a mutual conversation, it's like, are you living with your girlfriend? And you're like, no, I'm single. And so like, so you don't have a girlfriend? And no, I don't have a girlfriend. And when I used to have a boyfriend, I was like, yeah, um, no, I don't have a girlfriend. I live with my boyfriend. So then it's like an indirect outing. But doing drag came later. So this thing happened, outing myself I was like 17-ish, 18-ish. Then I went straight to the Swiss Armed Forces for like 500 days or something. 
and I didn't out me there as well, just like at the end, because there were rumors and big story. And I outed myself in front of my parents, like three days prior, I had to go to the minute because I knew they would want to have like some time to think about it. So I was like, I don't want to be at home when that's going to happen. And then doing drag, I first hit a long time. So I was like living at home. I was like doing my makeup at the club or Mm. like keeping it keeping it low key key. and i remember my brother seeing me one time i was coming up from like the doors and i was like wearing makeup and he was like this is weird and but didn't say anything Mm -hmm. and now they know i'm doing drag because i'm like i mean media they are coming to my shows my father tells me all the time he sees me i'm so fucking proud of you that you can be whoever you want to that you're like fight for the rights to whatever you do and my mother she's like she's not proud because she hates the word proud she's more like she supports me in any kind she can like i don't know giving me advice on how to work with glitter or how to wash my costumes or if i want to sew a dress she's like yeah look look at these magazines they are there you have like patterns in it or you have to do it that and that and that yeah so she's like that's that's support that is yeah. like it's a lot of support yeah that's really good and they are also always at my shows mm. which is great for me but it's sometimes a struggle for my co-performers because mm. dita did or eva detox once did a joke about my mother and she didn't knew that my mother was sitting in the audience. Right. And there was like, yeah, you just wake the dragon, which is not good. <laughs> so, yeah. But <laughs> Who I was more upset, you or your mom? <laughs> well, she can fight for herself. She just came down and she was like, just just that, to let you know to Eva, I'm her mom. Yeah. So pay attention to what she say. And I was like, then she left. But I'm in a lucky place with having a lot of support of my parents. It's not um, a normal thing in right. drag scene. Yeah. That most drag performers I know have a difficult relationship to the parents mm-hmm. or don't know their parents anymore or the parents aren't here anymore. So I'm like the one exception that I'm like really have big support of my parents. That's awesome. I think so- something you said was really um, interesting as well about how we don't come out if we're straight we you know we just we don't sit around talking like just by the just so you know hopefully that one day we get to a point in society where coming out isn't a thing where it's we it just becomes really normal that no one actually cares what anybody is and it's just uh just a conversation that comes up naturally is that your hope as well that's certainly well, mine. It's that, that n- not really a hope because if you have hope, you they make it shattered. Shattered, yeah. So I'm like, I see this society evolve in a certain way. It w- it's it's wishful that this is gonna happen, but I'm not the, the one who's like mad that it's not here right now. Right. I know we have as as a member of the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, they we have to fight for our rights all day long mm. and sometimes you just have to lean back and say okay we accomplished something i mean we have like this referendum against hate which is a perfect example for our fight that we have like 
this referendum, but it only includes gay and lesbians and bisexuals. Right. Okay, you can so now not, choose. Yeah. You can now choose whether okay, I'm going to lean back and take a deep breath and say thank you. It's like okay, at least we did something. Or you can go the other way and just be like the, throwing a temper tantrum because I don't know any other rights aren't like in this referendum or in this law. I mean, it's a step forward and it took many years to do this tiny step forward. So just take one step after the other, but don't throw all the time a temper tantrum because people get annoyed with, I mean, if you have a child who's throwing temper tantrums all the time, you get annoyed. Uh, yeah, I've got kids, I know. <laughs> and if you have like a child who's like saying something, she wants, I don't know, something and you're like no and you're not gonna have it and then she's like yeah okay let's yeah. do it down down that way and then she get it and she's like just for a minute she's thankful yeah. or he or she is thankful i mean that's a better way to like go forward instead of always we have to fight and we have to everything is shade and we have to improve now and the time is now it's like the world was, will change. I mean, back in the days when the Greeks were ancient, they were also, it was natural for them having lovers, men, women, we don't care. But then something happened and now we had just have to clean up the garbage. But it takes years. Yeah, it doesn't happen overnight, unfortunately. It, will, it won't. No. So um, we were discussing, you wanted to to make sure that your English was good, which, by the way, is... <laughs> perfect it's better than my english um and i have a question regarding um you speaking english in your shows why is it that when i went to your show i didn't know whether you're going to speak swiss deutsch or german or um yeah or in english i had no idea but i just wanted to see you so i went anyway and what i found was that you did um both you did everything and I was so thankful because it meant that I understood what was happening. And but I also heard you speaking German, uh, so yeah. you were you were kind of appealing to everyone. Why? Why? Why did you go down that route instead of sticking to to the the German? Well, it's kind of easy. Basel, even though it's a village, it's a fucking international village. Mm. So you have, especially thanks to Novartis and Roche, you have people here from all over the world. Now you want to sell drag shows to people and those people coming from Madrid, coming from New York, I don't know, they are used, especially if they're gay, they're used of having drag shows. So you want them to feel welcome somehow. So they, so therefore you speak English that they are used to understand something. Like that's one point that everybody kind of feels welcome. I know that I can't do all of it in English because then I would like, piss off all the Swiss guys yeah. but I know a lot of Swiss guys do understand like drag lingo mm. or some parts of English words so they can follow at least okay next performer I mean everybody knows what mm. this means and stuff like that this is like one thing that you make everybody feel comfortable like watching the shows and don't get bored with like the intermissions because in drag shows you have to like host for giving the girls time to change so you can't just like go performance 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 that doesn't work so you have to use the stalling times which you need and that the people don't get lost or leave earlier you have to like get them in the gig and the other thing is i was in 
many cities all over the world which I went to drag shows and they were hosted uh, in the language of the country and I speak French, German, English and Finnish and Norwegian so just a few I don't speak Spanish mm. I went to Madrid and Barcelona and then well you are in this show and they are like in Spanish talking shit or like even talking to you in Spanish and you like sign them I'm, I don't understand you they are making fun of you because you're not talking Spanish but it doesn't make you feel comfortable and wants you to watch the show and when I do shows I mean the first three sentences and one in the first three sentence will be so do we have English speaker fellows in the house and then you can woo and do we have like French speakers or do we have like who does understand Swiss German so that you can get a vibe of how many percent of your audience is like not able of understanding Swiss German right and then you like adapt to it I like whoop the loudest <laughs> And this is like a very important thing for me because I know, for example, the next show we're going to have is very difficult because we are we're talking a lot then. And I had to make sure that the girls know that they are either they have to switch in between or we have to think of a way that 90% of the people get maybe 80% of the fun of it, Mm -hmm. even though they don't understand little bits of the show, but they get the concept of the show. Right. And I think it makes you feel maybe more at home or more welcome if someone is standing on stage and you don't understand what they're saying. I mean, when I was in in um, Spain, I was like feeling shit because I didn't. I was like, I was bored watching these shows because it was blah, 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 blah. I didn't understand anything. And then there was the show, which was great. And I was like, blah, and I didn't understand anything anymore. And it didn't make me feel welcome. I mean, how hard must it be as an expat or as someone who doesn't understand Swiss German, wants to see a drag show, wants to have a fun time, and then he goes to a show and I'm there talking in Schweizerdeutsch all the time. Mm. He's going to leave after 10 minutes. Right, right. But how does that, how do you feel knowing that, that you have to adapt for people like me like does that does that is there any you know negative feelings about as a swiss person that there's so many of us here and and you're the one that's adapting for us is there any negative like uh, you know like maybe i should be the one speaking german of course that would be nice if everybody who's coming to switzerland would like be able to speak german or swiss german but it's never gonna happen so negative i have like people in my shows telling me we're in switzerland and you have to talk swiss german and we don't care about those people who don't use english and i'm like yeah but imagine (laughs) yeah imagine they're not coming to my shows i have like five people or something well that's a bit extra over uh, that's a bit not only five people are watching my shows (laughs) so but i don't feel negative about it i mean especially the swiss um, Swiss German part people are adapting really easily I mean I start talking high German to people when I realize that they speak high German even though they may understand Swiss I can't like not adapt if you go to the French part they don't care Right. they talk to you in French 
even though you tell them, well, you have to tell, talk slower. And if they are not talking French, they are talking to you in English, which is even worse because they can't speak English. <laughs> But it's like a habit of Swiss German guys or girls or humans that they are adapting easily. I don't have negative feelings about it. I think it's good that, I mean, if you would have been there and told me, well, do it in Turkish or do it in Albanian or do it in, I don't know, any language which I'm not able to do and uh, maybe 4% of people are, who are watching or speaking this language, I would be like, uh, yeah, what's the point? What's the point? But talking English And you're living in a city where you know you have Rosh and you have Novartis, which are paying a lot of taxes. So that's like my teeny tiny contribution for the people coming here to have a good time, even though that means that I have to adapt. But I have no negative feelings about well, that. Well, I definitely appreciate it because I've been here for five years and my German teacher basically sacked me and said, you're a hopeless <laughs> case. So, you know, what can I do? As my Ziggy teacher. No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I actually have a couple of questions from uh, from people, and I forgot to really? get it up, so I have to uh, I have to go and find it, believe it or not. But one of them, which is not on my phone, is from my daughter. She's eleven. We watch um, Drag Race together, and she loves it. And she wanted to know: Is everyone personal when it comes to being called he, she, or they? Is that just a personal thing? Because you've got two per per personas: you're a man, you dress up as Odette. So if I called you she, would that be a problem? It depends on the situations you're in. Yeah. So if I'm at work and I'm Joe, I'm the physical therapist and you know me from shows and you would be my patient, you would come in and call me, hey, Odette. I would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, who are you? I would be like, yeah, that's not appropriate to call me Odette there. But for example, if I'm talking with Dita or like my sisters and we're out of drag we all refer to each other as she or she's crazy have you heard about her and stuff like that so that's easy for me I can switch in between it depends on on the situation I'm in or how the the persona or the person in front of me knows me if you're like a super fan and you see me after the show out of drag and you're like hey you're Odette I'm like yes I am but I wouldn't be offended if you called me your dad. Right. I'm not the one who's like, no, I'm Joe. I'm not going to do that. Right. But if I'm like out of the on the streets and I don't know, I'm w walking out of drag and you re re realize that I'm Odette because I was out of drag in TV already. And like, yeah, hey, you're Odette. It's like, yeah, I am. And if it happens that they say she or in a sentence and even though I'm out of drag, I don't care. Right. I actually don't care. The only time I care is when I'm at work doing my regular job. I don't want to be called Odette or he uh, or she or something like that. Because yeah. that's not the place where drag is in my life. Mm -hmm. As soon as I leave my regular workplace, I don't care. Right. You can call me he, she, but don't call me it. That's the only <laughs> thing. But there are people well, no which are. Be called it. But that's just me. Yeah. There are maybe other drag queens. They are like, yeah, I want to have that split, or I don't want to be called she or he or anything else. I want to be called. I mean, the third persona, which is out mm. there. I don't know what. 
the, the name of that is they i think mm. them they are very severe about that but i am not right. i'm kind it's of a easy very going. personal thing yeah. yeah so every person is going to have their own uh, opinion on it exactly okay uh nora will be grateful for your answer thank you so um uh Somebody else asked, how's the Swiss audience in drag shows? Are they receptive and joyful? Well, <laughs> in general, Swiss people are more like skeptical. Okay. But it depends how good on as a host you are to like get them involved. Swiss people, if they are getting involved, are acting crazy. Yeah. I mean, take Fasnacht. I, I was going to say, this is the only time I've seen Swiss people go crazy. So there is potential. Yeah. You just have to trigger that potential. Mm -hmm. But if you're a shitty host and a shitty performer, they are not receptive to you. Right. But if you challenge them to get their madness out, you will get madness. And that's the thing I'm aiming for. Right. So yes, you have to like tear down a wall somehow with Swiss people talking in general but they are really receptive if you have teared that wall down but there are triggers you can do it easily i mean i'm not going to tell them because <laughs> then you don't want to watch my show but it's easy i mean and swiss people are if there is someone else reacting like in a kind of a mad way and a bit crazy they're like um fence to not do it is like lower because they're like okay she's crazy so yeah. i could be crazy and then the next one is like, okay, these tools are crazy. So I can be crazy. Swiss people work like that. If someone else is like... So you just need that one person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've um, definitely been stared at and uh, told off in a lot of shows. Uh, not necessarily drag, just anything. I went to a blues uh, concert once and um, I clapped too loudly for the lady behind me. She told me to shh. That I was clapping too loudly, so yeah, that's not gonna happen in traction. <laughs> You're, I mean, the best thing was like once there was like a huge applause after the show, and I was like, "Is that all you can give, give me?" <laughs> it's like my funeral of my grandmother was bad, better, and the people were like shook it, but then they like tried to top it. Yeah, and then you're like, "Yeah, okay, easy thing to it's do." It's about finding that trigger point. Yeah. Okay, so Don wants to know. He's he lives. Uh, he's from Ohio. So he has Hi, a, Don. <laughs> he has a biased question and that is is Nina West a great drag queen or the greatest? Is Nina West. <laughs> oh, that's the guy from RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing about RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, let's talk I about think it. Nina West is a great performer. I never met her person personally. I only saw her on RuPaul's Drag Race mm -hmm. for this like five, six episodes she's in. She was in. But the thing with the RuPaul's Drag Race, even though I'm a drag queen, I don't know a lot of RuPaul's. I mean, the last season, 12? Yeah. I have watched maybe one episode or something and I got bored. And I was like, everybody know, everybody from the mainstream or everybody outside of right, the LGBT... Right, not in drag, knows RuPaul. Knows RuPaul and thinks RuPaul's Drag Race is like the thing of drag. Everybody who's like not in this bubble of drag... So if you like doing something a bit edgy or a bit artsy, but it's not like on the conception of drag of RuPaul, is not doing drag. And I'm like twisted. So back in the days when I started doing drag, I'm like, I watch, used to watch RuPaul's Drag Race from season one with right. the filter on it. Mm. With, the, with If you not don't know what I'm talking about, you don't know RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm -hmm. um, so it showed 
me like drag how to do drag a bit kind of but it was like it was other times but when it suddenly blew up that harsh i mean back in the days when i told my gay friends do you watch rupaul's drag race and they are like what the fuck is this and you have to explain yeah you know it's like germany's next top model mixed with like big brother and drag and they were like this is shit and now I go to the same gay person. It's like, have you watched RuPaul's Drag? It's like, yes, fierce. Oh my God, work. Have you seen blah, 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 Jaden Dior? It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? So that whole perception changed a bit. And for me, and now it's a lot of pressure. Just mm. like, it's great for drag in general that this thing went mainstream, that people get to know drag, but they only get a certain aspect of drag. The aspect of what RuPaul himself thinks drag is and have to be portrayed we're not going to get into this whole gender discussion and having transgender on the show or not having them on the show but you feel a pressure as a local performer and i feel when i did manor beauty days i did hostings there i was standing in the mall and like yeah talking about chanel and new things there were girls 15 coming towards me and she was like, you are not doing drag because your eyebrows aren't like similar. It's like, you have no idea what drag is. Really and is, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I maybe don't, or one came to me, it's like, you don't look like Aquaria. And it's like, who the fuck? And then it's like, oh, season 11 winner. Okay, thank you. So you have like, people know RuPaul's Drag Race and think that's drag. And then you're like, yeah, I'm a huge fan of drag. And then you're like, yeah, have you been at any of my shows in the last five years? Right. No, I didn't know that you're doing... It's like, so you're a huge fan living in Basel and you have no idea of me doing drag. Then you aren't a huge fan. I'm sorry, you're a huge fan of RuPaul's Drag Race. Right. But you're not a huge fan of drag in general. Because you're not supporting local. And the other thing is with RuPaul's Drag Race... Everybody wants to see those girls. And there's a local performer that puts a lot of pressure on you. Because right. if you're not starring like Aquaria or having anyone else. Yeah, or on a reality TV show, right. Then you, then your show is deemed not to fit to drag. Mm -hmm. And that's like, there's like that's downside of, of the show. Yeah. But the good side is there is like a lot of discussion about drag now. I have bookings with like mainstream um companies i have i can work with man or i can work with different brands which i would have dreamed of working before and now i'm actually or uh, i can actually work with them that's like the good side of we have or we have discussion about gender identities about drag is drag about feeling like a woman is drag being transgender no it's not so we have these kind of discussions so that's the good side the downside as a performer is the things i mentioned before yeah so you do have some shows coming up besides the fact that we've all been stuck in our houses for God knows how long. By the way, you're my first real life interview in three months. So thank you. Thank God. <laughs> it feels good so job. good to have somebody in my um, you know, home Someone studio. Someone is talking more than you are. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> um, tell us uh, where people can find out where your shows are, what shows you've got coming up. What it is that, you, that you've that you got planned for 2020, all the rest of it. So there is plenty coming. So I, 
with without corona i wouldn't have any time to do this interview by the way because <laughs> i would have been booked every fucking weekend so the next thing we're gonna do is at uh, part one again we're gonna do a first time ever roasting um of me uh in part one at the 9th of october you can buy tickets now on hotelagrand.ch just click the button ticket link or you can search it on star ticket i think and then there is like after that there are like several shows in lucerne i have like a show there i have all my gigs planned at part one until 2021 december so drag meets rock will be happening again in the 18th of december something like that we're gonna have late night dragon zurich and we have Drag Royality also at Barter One, which is the competition I mentioned. We're going to do it the fifth time. It's the fifth year. And we're going to have an amazing performer, which is me. No, <laughs> <laughs> we have like six new baby queens competing for the crown and the entrance in my royal house. So and you're giving the baby queens another chance. Yes, <laughs> always since five years. And they will be judged by six long-standing drag queens. And I will be host. So don't miss that. That would be on the 13th of November. But you can see all my gigs on my website, odettelegram.ch. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on and giving us uh, expats an insight into the drag world in Basel slash Switzerland. And uh, I know that I'll be at your shows. I cannot wait to see you again. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yummy bonkers, it's an open cellar.